to worship with you guys. And for all of you joining us at the Cactus Campus, welcome. All of you in the venue, in the chapel, good to have you guys. And for my immediate family up north, I miss you guys. I'll be back up there next weekend and can't wait to hear what God's been doing uh, in your lives as well. But it's fun to be back here at the Shea Campus and see some old friends and uh, be here with you guys. So thanks for letting me come and uh, continue this series on the Lord's Prayer. And if you remember last week, Jamie did a great job of, of spelling out for us, look, this prayer is, uh, it's a template, right? Jesus looks at his disciples and says, when you pray, pray like this. And so he starts us off with this understanding of us kneeling before our Holy Father, hallowed be thy name, uh, but also recognizing that he's our Heavenly Father, and there's an intimacy there. And so there's a, a tension that we've got to wrestle with from the very beginning. And then he's going to take us into the passage we're going to look at uh, today, and I'm going to maybe challenge us a little bit in our thinking, in our perspective a little bit, as I feel like Jesus has taken us and where God wants us to go. So before we dive in to our text, let me uh, start by telling you a story, okay? Uh, Brooke, my wife Brooke and I are incredibly blessed to have both of our parents now living in town, which is awesome. Uh, but there was a period of time where Brooke's parents lived over in California, there was a smaller period of time where they didn't live in California, but they lived in the promised land of California known as San Diego, okay? And if you've been here June, July, or August, you know that's where you want to be. And so we would spend a lot of trips packing the kids up and rolling over to see Grandma and Grandpa over in San Diego. And one particular April before school was out, we thought, hey, let's head over there for the, for the long weekend and just see, see Mimi and Grampy and see what's going on. So we loaded them up. And the old Dodge Durango, four kids under the age of seven. So seven, five, three, and Riley was just about a year and a half. And uh, off we went. And anybody that's made the drive to San Diego before, you know how beautiful it is. Uh, it's full of brown, dying bushes and uh, dirt. And you go from the 10, you head down to the 85, and you roll through beautiful Gila Bend, Arizona's hidden gem. And you keep rolling out the eights. You stop in Yuma to gas up and get food, and you keep right on going until you hit the promised land. Well, this particular time, we, we get uh, maybe about five miles from the 10. We're on the 101. We're taking that around. We're by about Cardinal Stadium, and the kids are already, when are we going to be there? I'm hungry. He touched me. I got to pee. And I just remember grabbing my wife's hand and looking at her and taking a deep breath and saying, six hours from now, the cool ocean breeze will be hitting our face. The waves will be lapping up at our feet. It'll be great. We can handle this. We took a deep breath, told them to pipe down, and away we went. We hit the 85. We blow through Gila Bend. We're about 10 miles outside of Yuma when all of a sudden the dashboard lights up like a Christmas tree. And I look down, and you know that seldom looked at needle on the far left? It's got a C at the bottom and an H at the top with a big red box. All of a sudden, I look down, and that little needle is pinging on the red box part of the H. And I realize, that ain't good. So we pull off to the side of the road. And kids are going, are we here? Are we eating here? I'm like, we're in the middle of the desert. What are we going to eat? Yes, we're eating here. We're going to get a rabbit and eat it. I don't know what you want me to do. 
I get out of the car, I pop the hood and I look, and if it's not the windshield wiper fluid or the battery cable, I don't know what I'm looking at, but I'm looking anyway. I grab a couple of hoses and move them around. It looks fine to me, but I hear something. I'm like, man, that's interesting. What is that? I bend down, I look underneath the car, and sure enough, there's just fluid and water pouring out from underneath the car all over the place. And I realize that's not good. So I get back in the car and Brooke says, what is it, is it the tire? I'm like, no, it's not, not the tire. Uh, I think somehow the radiator, somehow we're, we're leaking fluid all over the place. What are we gonna do? So I told her, you call your parents, tell them to start heading this way from San Diego. Maybe they could pick us up uh, while we figure out what we're gonna do. So she calls them, they figure out a plan. And uh, I realized if I let the car cool down a little bit, I can start it up and drive a few miles before it starts to redline again, shut it down, cool it off, so we do about four cycles of that until we finally get to Araby Road, which I will never forget, Araby Road. We pull off on Araby Road, we come up over the freeway, I shut the car off, put it in neutral, we coast down the hill, and we pull right into the Araby Road gas station. Real nice establishment, okay? It's not a QT, not a Circle K, just an old gas station in the middle of Araby Road. And we go inside, we get the kids some six-day-old hot dogs and some ding-dongs and get them fed up and wait for my in-laws to show up. My brother-in-law shows up. We load all of my kids' car seats and luggage and everything into their car, and I watch my family get back on the 8th and take off to the promised land, leaving me in the beautiful outskirts of Yuma. Now, I have no money at the time. I've got four kids under the age of seven, and I realize I gotta fix my car. So there's no way I'm paying for a hotel. So I decide I'm gonna sleep in the back seat of a Dodge Durango. And I don't know how you sleep in the back seat of a Dodge Durango, but I know I don't sleep well in the back of a Dodge Durango. But I'm trying to sleep back there. I finally crash at about 4.15 in the morning, only to be startled and awoken at 5.18 a.m. by a loud bang and the car moving. And it was one of those things, you ever wake up in just a total panic and you don't know, you like, for a second you can't remember what day it is or where you are or what's going on. And so I fly up out of the seat, I hit my head on the ceiling. I'm, where, what is going on? Where am I? And I look and staring at me is a man with his hands cupped against the glass looking in at me. And I'm looking back at him and I'm going, wait, oh, that's right. I'm an Arby Road in the middle of Yuma. I finally all came to me. And I looked around, and there were people sitting on the bumper of the car. There were people leaned up against the side of the car. And I looked out, and there must have been 100 to 150 farmhands in the parking lot of the Arby Road gas station with six blue school buses all around. Apparently, this is where the people that are going out to, to pick the crops that Yuma is famous for, they all stop at the RB Road gas station to get their snacks in the morning before they head out. And I happen to wake up right in the middle of this apocalypse happening. In, in this. So I climb over the seat and kick the door open. Hey, guys, what's up? And they all kind of get, oh, sorry, we get away from the car. I get some coffee, and I make my way to the nearest mechanic into town a little ways, start it up, drive, stop, let it cool down, start and drive. About 45 minutes later, I make it to the mechanic, pull in there, sir, how can, can you help me? He goes, oh yeah, it's your water pump. I said, thanks, perfect. Uh, what's the good news? Well, we can order the part, take a couple hours to get here, there's a car ahead of you, but we can get it done today. Should be done about six o'clock tonight. Perfect. Look at my phone, 8.15 a.m. 
So I don't know what you would do with 10 plus hours to spend in the beautiful city of Yuma, but I decided to walk across the street to the McDonald's and just park there all day. So I just sat in the McDonald's all day long watching the people come and go and realizing I should be sitting on the beach in San Diego making a sandcastle with my kids and throwing the football with my son. And yet here I am in the middle of Yuma. And I don't know if it was the Big Mac or the Holy Spirit, but at some point, During that day, I just remember thinking, I got this very clear vision, Kevin, this is very much like life, very much like life, and life in this way. Yuma's not your destination. Yuma's your holding place right now until they fix your car, but as soon as your car's fixed, you're out of here, and you're going to head to your destination. That's exactly how life operates. And here's where we're going to try and make the connection, and if you can't make this connection, I apologize, but my hope would be that you can We are all in the midst of a Yuma experience right now. This, everything that you see around you, how great it is and how difficult it is, is not our final place. This is not our final destination. We were created, we were made by the God of the universe to spend eternity, and for those of you that know Jesus Christ, to spend eternity in God's presence. That's our future. That's where we need to allow our minds to dream and to drift and to wander and find great hope and encouragement. And so when the Lord Jesus Christ would say, when you pray, I want you to pray like this. I want you to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm gonna suggest that what I think he's wanting us to do is he wanting us to never forget that we were made for something far greater than anything going on here. And so that's where we're gonna spend the bulk of our time today. Let me pray for us and then we'll dive in to our time in the word. God, thank you so much for this incredible gift and your word. God, I pray that we would handle it correctly. Pray that your Holy Spirit would guide each and every heart and mind and soul here. God, that you would help us discern your truth and that you would continually point us towards you. God, I pray for myself on those days when it is difficult, God, that I would continue to fix my eyes on you, the author and perfecter of my faith. God, I pray the same for all of us here and the other venues, God, that we would never take our eyes off of you and who you are as our good father. So God, we thank you for moments like this that we get to stop, we get to slow down, and we get to remember who you are. And God, as our good father, what you have for us to look forward to. So God, I pray you'd speak to our hearts. Do what only you can do. We'll thank you in advance for it. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've already spent time in our passage today. Your kingdom come. Let's look at this idea of your kingdom come. Why would Christ put that at the forefront of his prayer? Again, I'm gonna argue, I think it's because he wants us constantly thinking that we are not meant for here. Now is not forever. Now is not forever. And if, we could, if that's the only thing you hear and you walk out of here with, man, then I feel like God can start moving the needle of keeping us eternally minded. And I'll tell you in a little while why I think keeping our mind fixed on eternity is so important. Uh, but you're, you're one of, and there might be more, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna limit it to three, okay? You're one of three people here today. And I just need you to identify which one tends to be you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the extreme argument. I'm not saying you're way out here, but do you tend to tip this way or do you tend to tip this way when it comes to our, to our options? The first person I would say is this. Uh, they're the ones that when it, when it comes to eternity, well, let me set it up this way. Let me set it up this way first. If you know Jesus Christ, 
If you're a child of God, can we all understand and come to this realization that the enemy lost the battle for our soul the moment we put our faith in Christ? Can we understand that? We are are no longer, our eternity is no longer in question because of what Jesus Christ did, period. So the enemy has lost the battle for our soul. So instead of fighting for our soul, what he does now is he does everything he possibly can to get our eyes off of the things of God. So anything he can do to to distract us, to get our eyes off of Jesus, to stop thinking of eternal things, whatever he can do to get our eyes off of the things of God and fixate it on anything else, that's his main game for us now. And so if you're in the first group, here's what this looks like. We've allowed the comforts of this world, the things that we have worked really hard to accomplish, the things that, the, that, that God has given us to enjoy and blessed us with here on earth, and we've taken them, and we have worked so hard to make Yuma very comfortable, very pretty, and, and as livable and as awesome as we can, so much so that we get so comfortable here that we kind of stop thinking and dreaming and longing for greater things. And we've made that McDonald's look so great that we kind of go, yeah, it's kind of good here. I kind of like it here. And what I need you to do if you're in that world is I need you to open the door, look outside, and realize you're still in Yuma. It's still 120 out, and you're surrounded by nothing but gross desert, okay? That's, that, this is not our eternal home. Don't get so comfortable here. Don't get so fixated on the things here that you stop longing for the day that Christ is going to return or you stop longing for the day that God's going to call you home and you get to be in his presence for eternity. Don't get so comfortable here. Here's what this looks like. It looks like those times where we go, God, I, I, I want to be with you. I long to be with you. But if you could just wait until I get to hold my grandkid till I get to walk my daughter down the aisle, till I can graduate school, till I can get married, until, until, and if there's anything that we're saying, can you hold off until this, then I'm saying we're chasing the wrong things. And hear me on this. I can take you to Ecclesiastes. We can do a whole study on this if you want. There is all of those things I talked about are great things. Those are from the hand of God. Those are blessings. Those are things we are meant to enjoy and experience. And I want you to enjoy every bit of them, but not to the extent that you would say, God, I want this more than I want your coming kingdom. It's what Jamie's mentor, Larry Crabb, says all the time. Don't make first place things second place things and second place things first place things. And that's where we tend to go. If, if you've made this world so comfortable, if you've enjoyed the fruit of your labor, if you've enjoyed the blessings that God has given you so much so that you found yourself not looking forward not longing for the day that Christ returns or the day that he calls you home to be with him, maybe the enemy has already won and gotten our eyes off of eternal things. So just be cautious. Now, maybe you're the other person. And this is where I tend to reside, over here on this side. Uh, We're the people that tend to get so fixated and so caught up on everything that's going on. Finances, relationships, health, and we get so consumed by everything that's going on around us, it just wells up and begins to choke us out a little bit, and we get so discouraged, so defeated, at times just looking up at God going, God, there's, I can't do this anymore. And in the midst of our discouragement, in the midst of our frustration, again, I want you to repeat the same phrase that I've repeated to myself a number of times, and that is this, now is not forever. Whatever you're going through, 
Whatever that challenge is, whatever that has is, is, got you overwhelmed, it's not forever. But what the enemy loves to do is he loves to, instead of us dreaming about going, God, this, this is tough. I don't like any of this. But God, I want to dream about the day that I get to be in your presence, and I want to long for greater things, and I want to realize that Yuma is not for eternity, but something better is coming. What the enemy loves to do is get our eyes so fixed on the stuff and the circumstances and the situation that it can overwhelm us, and we get incredibly discouraged, incredibly discouraged. And so if you're in that space, if you tend to hedge towards this side and you look around you and you just get defeated, let me encourage you. Now is not forever. You are not meant to live here forever. Eternity is coming. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that day is going to be glorious and is going to be awesome. And don't let the things of this world, don't let the, the things that are going on here overwhelm you so much so that you can't let your mind think about the eternal things. And you can't kneel before your, your holy, reverent Father and say, God, I long for the day that your kingdom would come. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue to be faithful to what you've called me to now, but God, I'm not gonna live my life for now. I'm gonna live my life for eternity. Maybe that's what Christ is calling us to and wants to get us centered on. Now, I said you're one of those two. Maybe you're the third person here. And the third person I would say is this. You're the one without hope at all. Without hope at all. We talk about this idea of longing for eternity, praying for the kingdom of God to come and dreaming about what it would be like to be in God's presence. So maybe you're here or in one of the other venues and you sit there and you go, I don't know anything about this hope. I lay awake at night, can't sleep and think this is all there is. What I see around me, like this is my reality. This is all I've got and I'm here to tell you. And maybe the Holy Spirit longs to tell you this morning that you were, you were created for eternity. And I'm gonna argue that God longs for you to spend eternity with him in heaven. And you can work hard and you can grind it out and you can do all that you can to work your way there, but you will always fall short. Same way I always fall short. And so at some point in your life, it's, and maybe it's this morning, maybe it's, you're on a journey and you're still wrestling with this, but at some point in your life, you're gonna find yourself like I did where you fall on your knees before the God of the universe and you say, God, I can't do this. I'm a fallen, broken, sinful human being. And I can't do what you're calling me to do in my own strength. And so right now in this moment, I wanna surrender my life to your son, Jesus Christ, who I believe died in my place. And as a result of his sacrifice and your grace and your forgiveness, I can surrender my life to you and you get to redeem me for all time from where I'm at to where you long for me to be. If you're here in any of these venues, go talk to Rustin, talk to Rick, talk to Ray, Come talk to me up front. Talk to Chad at Northridge. Come talk to somebody before this day is over and say, I'm longing for this hope that everyone around me seems to have that I don't have. We would love to tell you more about Jesus Christ. We would love that opportunity. And God would love to tell you about that. And maybe today is your day to make that move. So come find somebody up front in any of these venues and talk to them about it. Don't leave here experiencing the hopelessness you came in here with because there's something greater in store. Because we were all created for eternity. Where we spend that eternity is completely and solely contingent upon what we believe about Jesus Christ, period. And so man, for those of us that know Christ, those of us as children of God, as sons and daughters of God, what might it look like for us in the midst of, guys, 
This world right now is nuts. Yuma has gotten crazy. There is fear running rampant across everywhere right now. I feel guilty shaking hands as people are walking into church because of the fear level. Don't forget what Jamie said. Who's ruling? Whose kingdom is coming? It's God's. He is sovereign. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows exactly what's going on. And in the midst of this fear-laden society and culture that we're in, what might it look like for God's children to walk out and profess and proclaim and share a hope that this world has no idea about? And the, the harvest, as Christ would say, is plentiful. It is plentiful. And what an opportunity we have as his sons and daughters to go out and share the hope of Jesus Christ. So two things that an eternal mindset will tend to do. If you can allow yourself, you can discipline yourself enough to not get fixated on the great things now or the hardships now, but you can allow your mind to dream about eternity and keep your mind in that world, what will it do? It will do two things, I believe. One, it will keep everything in perspective. Everything in perspective. You will, you'll be able to view the world around you with a different lens and be able to keep everything in perspective and know, you know what, now's not forever. I got hope coming. I got eternity coming. This is gonna be a glorious day and lets us think about and remind ourselves that we were not meant for here. And so when those opportunities come up to chase whatever the next pleasure is or to relieve whatever stressor we have going on with some sort of temporal thing, maybe we'd be able to look at it and go, you know what, same forever. Let me get my eyes back on Jesus. Here's the other thing it will do. My hope and prayer for this church especially is that with an eternal mindset, we would be able to see the world around us through a different lens. And instead of seeing a hurting, dying, broken world out there as something to be afraid of or to run from or to be discouraged by, we might with compassionate hearts see a hurting, dying world out there and thinking, I'm gonna spend eternity with God and they're not. So what might God have me do in the midst of the world and sphere of influence he has me in to be the messenger of his gospel, to almost live out what 2 Corinthians says, be ambassadors for Christ, to live out what Philippians says, to shine like stars in a crooked and depraved generation, that we would go out and we would be the hope bearers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you start thinking eternally, you, you, we can get there real quick. I love the apostle Paul. Jamie quoted this last week, uh, and we won't look at this one specifically, but you guys remember what he said last week when, when Paul would say, to live is Christ, but to die is gain? And Paul's right in the midst of this tension. He's looking at the Philippian church, and he goes, what should I choose? I do not know. To go and depart and be with the Lord, that is far better, but to remain here in the flesh is more fruitful ministry for you. And so he's, he's Paul's wrestling with God going, man, I want to be with Jesus, but if I'm, if I'm here, it's because it's a, I can be a blessing to the world around me. And maybe that's where you're at this morning, sitting there going, I don't, man, I, I want to be with the Lord. I want to dream of the kingdom of God, but God's got me here. He's got you here to be an ambassador for Christ, to love the world around you, to share the hope of Jesus. So what would it look like to go out and chase that down? Look what Paul says. He closes out the book of Philippians in chapter 3. It's on your screen. I'm going to pick it up in verse 18 just to give you some context. He says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. These are lost souls. They don't know Jesus. Somebody describes them. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. 
and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But then we get verse 20. But our, children of God, if you know Jesus, this is you. You're the our. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Do you get what Paul's saying? Paul's writing this from prison, wrongfully imprisoned. If there was ever a guy that could sit there and go, God, this isn't fair. These circumstances are terrible. It's Paul. And yet he sits there and he goes, eh, this is no big deal. This is Yuma. I'm, as soon as they fix my car, man, I'm out of here. I've got greater things to look forward to. Might we be that way as believers in the hope of Jesus Christ that we would sit there and instead of, instead of getting so fixated on the here and now, we would long for greater things and that we would see the world around us. As Paul says, but their end is their destruction and man, they're gonna spend eternity somewhere. What would it look like to see them start falling in love with this gospel message of Jesus Christ? Yeah, that's a challenge for us just to think about. Let's keep going. Your kingdom come, dream, believe, think about eternal things. But then he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me tell you something about the will of God. Uh, the will of God is always good, always for his glory, and always worthy of our submission. The fourth thing it is, it does not always make sense. It does not always make sense. And so I don't know if you're anything like me, but there's been plenty of times where I've prayed and said, God, here's my request. Here's my will. Let me lay this all before you. And then out of obligation, let your will be done. But remember my will. Remember what I shared? Let me close with that again, just in case you missed it the first time through. But I slipped in your will in the middle there, so we're good, right? And with this double-mindedness, I kind of go, okay, God, I want to trust you, but I really want what I want because I've thought this through and my plan makes a whole lot of sense. And so there's times where, man, it's a challenge to sit down and to really kneel before my reverent, holy, good father to look him in the eye and say, God, I will trust you no matter what and I will submit to your will. That's not an easy thing to do, especially in the midst of trying times, of hard times, when times are tough. Because there have been plenty of times, and maybe your life is not like mine, but there have been plenty of times in my life where I've looked at God and said, God, that's not right. That's not fair. There's no way that should have happened. And if you really are a good, loving father, why this? Especially when it comes to loss. Especially when it comes to loss. Looking at a seven-year-old little girl that lost her life going, God, are you kidding me? I could flip on the news tonight and give you a countless number of people that should have gone instead of her. And yet you took her? How is this your will? Guys, those are the tough, trying, difficult times. And this is where I'm going to tell you what you understand, what you believe, and what you know about God is going to be the most important thing you have. Because if you're relying on your logic and your emotions, that ain't always going to get you through. At some point, you've got to look at the midst of a terrible situation that doesn't make sense, that in your mind you're going, God, this should not have happened. And at some point you gotta find yourself saying, but you are God, I am not. You know all things, I do not. You are a good father, you love me, and you've got a plan. And so God, right now, I don't see it, I don't know it, 
And if I'm to be real honest, I have a hard time trusting it, but God, right now I'm gonna lean heavy on who you are and not on what I think or what I feel. And if you can get yourself to that place, then maybe with a little hands, a little bit more open, maybe not quite a tighter grip on your will, you can say, God, let your will be done. But that is no small undertaking. And yet that's what Christ is calling us to do. And he's the perfect example. You guys remember his prayer in the garden? It's the end of, end of his life. He finds himself in a garden looking up at God going, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. I don't wanna do this. Dying on a cross, that's not fun. Bearing the wrath of the sins of the world, I don't wanna do that either. But then how does he close that prayer? Not my will be done, but yours. Guys, that's a perfect example of how to pray. Let your request be known to your Father. Lay your will out before God. God, here's what I desire. Here's what I want. Here's everything that I envision and dream. But God, at the end of the day, don't give me my will. Give me yours. Because I trust you're good. I know you love me. I know what you have is better for me than what I, what I believe. And you get yourself there. That's the mark of maturity. That's, that's a huge step in the direction of where God wants to call us as his kids. Now, I will close with this, because I've, I've had too many conversations up at Northridge especially, and a couple here. Some of you, as you hear this, as you wrestle with God's will, as you, as you deal with all that, that, that God has dealt you in your life, you're frustrated, you're discouraged. And if you're to be honest, maybe you're angry at God. Maybe you're angry at God, because his will isn't quite lining up with your will. Things haven't quite gone your way. Here's what I know to be true. God made us emotional beings. He made us emotional beings. There's no emotion that you have that God can't handle. And so maybe for some of you, maybe it'll be cathartic, therapeutic for your soul. And you don't need my permission, but let me encourage you. Maybe for some of you, you've been sitting on some hurt, some heartache, some hard things, some of God's will that you haven't really necessarily liked and you've been sitting on that for a long time and the greatest thing you can do, do two things. One, read Psalm 13. Read Psalm 13 today. It's David shaking his fist at God. Are you gonna forget me forever, God? How long am I gonna sit here in this? How long are my enemies gonna triumph over me? What did I do to you, God, to deserve this? David, angry at God. And so maybe for you, what you need to do is you need to go just spend some time purging those emotions out onto God. He can handle it, trust me. I've done this, when I used to work here at the Shea campus, I would drive my car to the Christian Science Church right up here, right up here on the corner, right off of Hayden. There was never anybody there. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Christian Science Church. But man, I would sit there and I would have it out with God. Man, I would yell at him. I would, this ain't right. God, I don't understand this. What are you doing? I've done everything you've asked me to do. And this is, and just all these emotions out before the Lord. But then as David does in Psalm 13, and I encourage you to read it, when he's done shaking his fist, when he's done purging his emotions, when he's done venting his anger and frustration, he still submits himself to God. And he closes that Psalm by saying this, but I will trust in your unfailing love. I will trust in your unfailing love. I don't like it. doesn't make sense. not actually happy with how some things have gone. But God, I know you are good. And I know you love me. 
And so regardless of the circumstances, can I submit myself to your will and trust in your unfailing love? Maybe there's some of us here, that's the greatest thing you could do today because there have been wrongs from your past. There have been things that have happened in your history that you look at and you are still angry at God for and you've never dealt with it. Trust me, there's not an emotion you have that God's going, I hope she doesn't bring that up. I hope he doesn't talk about that. Get it out. Don't give the enemy one more day that's a victory over you and it's keeping you out of getting your eyes completely fixed on Jesus Christ. Now to put a little, wrap this thing up, here's the other side of that. There's some of you that are in the midst of God's will right now and you don't like it and it hasn't gone your way and you are discouraged. Here's what I would tell you. Now is not forever. Whatever God's taken you through, whatever he's walking you through, health, relationships, finances, whatever is overwhelming you right now, please do not give up hope. Do not take your eyes off of Christ. Realize that whatever you got going on now, eternity awaits and you will be in the presence of God worshiping him for all time. I don't know if you guys saw this Friday night, but I was leaving my grandparents' house. They live up in kind of North Scottsdale, Happy Valley in Pima. Beautiful sunset. Did you guys see the sunset Friday night? Oh, it was unbelievable. Took a picture of it. It was awesome. This beautiful sunset. And I just remember driving in my car as I was driving straight into the sunset, looking at God and saying, God, you paint with an incredible palette of colors. This is unbelievable how beautiful it is. And I don't know if it was because of where I was going this weekend or what, but God just, I remember just shouting out to me, Kevin, you think that's beautiful? This is a crooked, sinful, decrepit, dying world. And look what I can create in the midst of that. Do you have any idea what the new heaven and the new earth is going to be like? You are going to experience beauty beyond beauty. You're going to experience my presence in a way that you never have before. And Kevin, I need you to understand, as beautiful as that sunset is, it's Yuma. And it ain't your final destination. You were made for greater things. So here's what I long for all of us to experience and to understand no matter what's going on. God is good. God is with you. God has greater things for you. It may not always make sense now, but can you trust in who he is and the goodness of our father? And can we find ourselves surrendering to his will? And on the days that that's tough, on the days that doesn't make sense, if you need to have it out with him, have it out with him. But at the end of that day, would you trust in God's unfailing love and would you long for his coming kingdom? Let me pray for us. God, you know, my heart and prayer has been this, that we would spend some time, sometime today before we fall asleep and just give us a brief moment to dream about your coming kingdom. God, if not for some of us just to encourage us, for some of us to motivate us, God, for some of us just to remind us that this is not our home. We were made for something so much greater. So God, now I pray in these moments before we get in our cars and take off to the next thing, God, that you might give us just a small moment to converse, to talk about, to dream about eternity, that you would keep it on our hearts, that we would never forget that we are citizens of heaven. God, we would long for greater things. And God, I thank you for your word in this book that promises us greater things and for the hope that we can have in you. God, my last prayer is this, for those that are here or in any of the venues, God, that you might be calling into your kingdom, that you are calling as your sons and daughters. God, I pray that you would give them courage to come forward and speak to somebody. 
Do not let this moment go by. Do not give the enemy victory over any of these people. But God, give them the courage to come forward. Give us the wisdom to meet them where they're at. And God, we will thank you in advance as always for all that you're gonna do. We love you, we thank you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.